This is the Roger Stone Show on 77 WABC. A man who's gone through hell, but he's kept going and he's smart and he's strong and people love him. Not everybody, but people love him and respect him. Roger Stone. Now, here's Roger Stone. This is Roger Stone, and you're on the Roger Stone Show here at WABC Radio. 77 WABC, making AM radio great again. Joining me now is the Staten Island Borough President, Vito Fasella. That, of course, is Richmond County, uh, to discuss the uh, issue uh, confronting the country uh, over the uh, migrant uh, uh, crisis in New York City. Vito, welcome uh, to the Roger Stone Show. Thank you. Uh, thank you very much, Roger. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. Uh, there's been a, a lot of heated nights uh, as the city of New York uh, has tried to locate migrants in the uh, uh, suburban district, I would call the suburban, the most Italian-American congressional district in the country, Staten Island. Vito, you were out front almost nine months ago, and you said the migrant shelters, as planned by the city, were unsustainable. You petitioned the Independent Budget Office uh, of New York City, uh, and the figures that were discussed at the time have now virtually tripled. Uh, seems to me like you were right. Uh, you were elected as the chief executive of Richmond County, which is Staten Island. Uh, what kind of coordination and transparency have you personally had with Mayor Adams uh, during this crisis? Well, well Roger, thanks. And, you, and the word is crisis, right? Because there is no end in sight and there's no plan to solve a problem. So therefore, it's sort of out of control and therefore... And in my opinion, it is a crisis. Um, and yeah, about nine months or so, we stood in the Travis section of Staten Island, and uh, we did that there because the migrants began to arrive in Staten Island. And at the same time, they were being welcomed with open arms and uh, in, in Manhattan. And we said, hey, this policy is unsustainable in part because you don't have a plan. Uh, the notion that we could accept anybody from around the world who comes to Manhattan and demands free accommodations and free food and taxpayer-funded health care, education, debit cards, phones, food stamps, anything under the sun, you know, by definition, we believe it's unsustainable. And unfortunately, we were right. Uh, and we were told then, uh, listen, you just got to suck it up and everybody's got to feel the pain. And our view was... The federal government caused this problem by opening up the border and pretending it was closed. And the city had a right to shelter policy under a consent decree, not even a law, not a constitutional right, to allow individuals to claim asylum and therefore get free accommodations and everything that came with it. And in the beginning, I would say that we were notified or we were a lot of rumors, as you can imagine, what site is going to be converted to a migrant shelter uh, what uh, what area, a park, a school, whatever. And for the most part, it was, it was at least we were notified. Um, unfortunately, more recently, that hasn't been the case. Uh, so fast forward to St. John Villa, which is an old Catholic school that was shut down a few years ago. The city of New York purchased it. 
and it is directly across the street from another uh, school, uh, an old girls Catholic high school and an elementary school at St. Joseph Hill Academy. And then a block away is another elementary school in the heart of this beautiful residential district. And nobody was notified. You know, some people were notified the next day as they read it in the paper. And, and that's just not, to me, being transparent with, with everybody involved, not to mention the fact that it's in the worst location possible. It seems to me that uh, Mayor Adams uh, has appealed to the governor, appealed to the president, both of his own party. Uh, and rather than getting any assistance or even any funding, all he's gotten was the appointment of a liaison, which doesn't seem to be very valuable uh, to me. Uh, I, I'm grateful that the protests have been peaceful, uh, but I am heartened by the fact that literally thousands of Staten Island residents have shown up in a vigil to protest the fact that they're placing these migrants next to an elementary school, mostly a girls' school, as well as private homes, this seems very dangerous and unwise to me. Yeah, I, I think if you could sort of ask uh, your advisors, say, give me the worst location for a migrant shelter, and if they spent a good chunk of time evaluating it, they would pick this spot. Uh, and the reasons are, a multi for multiple reasons, as I said, it's a, a right next door. This poor guy who lives right next door, a nice little home, raising his family, right over the fence of portable showers that the migrants will be using, their outdoor showers. Uh, the sanitary system of the school is not working properly. So you know, there's, there's a disgusting attachment to that as well. Uh, and, and we get back to the very simple thing. And Staten Island is a very freedom-loving people, as I'm sure you, you realize, Roger, we, we love the country. It's a small town feel. So people from across Staten Island came over and united and said, we stand with these neighbors in our car in the South Beach section of Staten Island because it could be us. And we don't want it either. You know, Staten Island didn't so create this problem. Why do we have to solve the problem? And then concurrently, uh, you know, but government establishes priorities and you do what you can. You spend what you can. You make what happens. Uh, you, you make things better. And in this case, the, that whole approach is getting thrown right out the window. So rather than say we may need a new school, like, no, we don't have enough money, but we find $12 billion to accommodate the migrants. If we want new roadways uh, paved or built, we don't have the money, yet we find $12 billion to get the migrants. So the world is sort of upside down. And then to add insult to injury, Roger, on two things. One is it seems the federal government is actually mocking the city. In other words, their first uh, few days ago they came out and said, you know, the, you're, the way you're handling this situation is a mess. You have to get your house in order. We have nothing to do with your problem. Right? That's number one. Number two uh, is now we're discovering that there may be about 20,000 school children, migrant school children, attending public school without a requirement for a vaccine or immunization or anything like that. Now, the ordinary citizen who sends their kid to a public school in New York City or any school has to prove that they are vaccinated. So not only is there not even a double standard, there's a worse standard. In other words, the, the migrant children are being allowed into the schools without vaccines. But if a young parent wanted to send their child to a school, they would have to demonstrate that they have all the vaccines that were required to gain access. Uh, so, you know, how is this 
a good policy whatsoever. So we just keep on going down a rabbit hole, and it seems to get worse before it gets any better. Uh, I've noticed looking at the latest crime statistics uh, that while things are relatively flat in the rest of the city, crime has really uh, spiked upwards in Staten Island. Do you think that this is a manifestation of the of the state's uh, bond policy? Uh, they're soft on crime policies. Uh, is it because of this uh, invasion of migrants? What do you attribute this this spike in crime to? It's a very good point. You know, historically, Staten Island and Staten Islanders appreciate and value uh, personal security. Uh, we would be uh, the safest big city in America if it was a separate city of over 100,000. So we value it in part because we support law enforcement. We, we support their efforts to keep our communities safe. Uh, but that can only go so far when you have a state that basically is saying, hey, if you commit a crime at 10 a.m., you'll be out on the streets by 3 a.m., 3 p.m. Uh, that's not a consistent or good policy to keep community communities safe because – some folks believe that criminals are stupid, uh, and, and I, I'm, I'm in the court because maybe through just life experiences. You find that there are some criminals who are pretty darn smart, and if they determine or find out that there is no accountability for their evil actions, they're going to keep doing their evil actions. So in Staten Island, we have seen a spike, some of it gang-related, uh, some of it attributed to stolen cars. Or kids would come from Jersey, steal cars, and head back. Uh, they, the state legislature basically said if you're 15, 16, 70, whatever, using a gun, you don't, you don't have to be treated as an adult. So all these uh, factors add up to a spike because the bottom line is people who want to do bad things, and they're only a small handful, think that they can get away with it. And frankly, they are. And until that changes, um, you know, w- we have to do our best to keep our community safe and is it the migrant invasion, I think, is, a, is an extension of that because many of them have come over illegally. Uh, on Staten Island at the shelter, there are people from Europe. There isn't this Venezuelan influx. There is people from all over the world have figured it out, fly to Mexico, walk across the border, get bused to New York and get put up for free. I mean, that's the bottom line. And it's all the same mentality of do whatever you want and there's not, not a problem. It seems to me to have been a battle of attrition, meaning uh, they bring 100 migrants in, then you go to court, uh, they are mostly removed, then Mayor Adams appeals, uh, and the migrants come back. Uh, you have a court date coming up on seven, uh, September 14th to try to shut this particular location. Uh, what arguments uh, will the city attorney put before the court? Right. So along those lines, Roger, you're, you're right. We, we did bring legal action in Richmond County uh, Supreme Court, and we were sort of uh, elated. Granted, it was a temporary, it was a win, uh, but a temporary win where we prevailed on a temporary restraining order, uh, submitting four causes of action, one of which is that the school is in a residential zone, one of the most restrictive in all of New York City. And now the city's coming along and converting it to a practically a hotel, which was never intended to, to be that way. The certificate of occupancy does not allow it. So another number of different reasons. It was a public nuisance. Again, the gentleman next door has to endure outdoor public showers and everything that, that comes with it. So we think it's a nuisance. We don't think there was proper notification. 
Uh, and the judge found for us at the trial level, and the city uh, argued basically, hey, uh, people got to absorb this no matter who you are. And um, and this is an emergency. And what we said is, yeah, but it's an emergency you created. It's not like a natural disaster or something happened out of a blue, which goes back to nine months ago when we said this is what's going to happen. So there is no emergency. This is bad policy that's leading to uh, you to be an indefensible position of everybody has to open up their buildings, everybody, you know, practically open up your homes. Uh, And that's what the city's arguing is that there's an emergency declaration so we can basically do whatever we want. Uh, Folks, if you're just tuning in, this is the Roger Stone Show on WABC Radio. You can listen to us at 770 on the AM dial, or you can go to wabcradio.com. I'm interviewing... Staten Island Borough President Vito Fasella, and we're talking about the migrant crisis going on uh, in New York City, New York State, but specifically uh, in Staten Island. Uh, Vito, uh, Eric Adams has referred to the Staten Island protesters, the the folks in the community who are opposed to placing these migrants uh, in a residential community as racists. How do you respond to that? So I've been to, if not every rally uh, and demonstration and basically neighbors coming together to support other neighbors, if you, if you want me to characterize it. Um, and I haven't heard anything like that. What I've heard is ordinary patriots, folks who love this country, who love their community, who can empathize with what their neighbors are going through can empathize if you're a parent of a 16-year-old girl and, you know, you're sending her to school, but right across the street is a migrant shelter and you have to worry about her safety, or a parent of a fourth grader, you have to worry about their safety. I think that's the genesis of people coming together and saying enough is enough. And I think in this country you still have the right to do so and question some policies that the government is forcing you to absorb and I don't hear any of that, and I haven't heard any of that. What I hear is this is bad. We're standing united. We hope the city reverses this decision. We all recognize this is a bad place for this migrant shelter to be, and we're hopeful that sanity prevails and common sense prevails and people stop doing this, at least around here. So that's been the message that we've articulated, and, and frankly, it's unfortunate that Instead of taking a step back and figuring out how to solve the problem, it quickly goes into another direction that doesn't solve the problem, which is why you're also hearing a, a growing you know, drumbeat for some to say we should secede. And frankly, that's a discussion that's probably worth having. Actually, Vito, my sources tell me that you and your team have been ahead of the curve. I have been doing a deep dive on secession for well over nine months. Uh, Explain to folks how that could potentially work. Well, as somebody, for full disclosure, I supported secession 30 years ago, uh, in part, and for those who may not know, know, Staten Island is one of five boroughs in New York City. And uh, perhaps a hundred and something years ago, in the late 1800s, it was when the city was consolidated, the, the goal was to make things better for the people of Staten Island. And then throughout the 2000s, the 21st century, a lot of it was Staten Island getting its fair share 
It ultimately became known as a forgotten barrel. In other words, the city was making decisions that were not in the best interest of Staten Island. And we had an exhibit, figuratively and literally, in the Fresh Kills landfill. It was the only garbage dump in all of New York City. So although we had 5% of the garbage, I mean 5% of the population, we got 100% of New York City's garbage. So that was exhibit A in the secession movement in the 90s. And people overwhelmingly supported it only to be hoodwinked by the legislature at the time. And then I think there was a, a, a good 20-plus years of, of solid government. Staten Island was at, was at the table. But that started to drift again about 10 years ago, and it's culminating in a, a thoughtful discussion of what's in Staten Island's best interest now and going forward. And if secession is the right way to go, then we should put it put a group together, analyze the costs and the benefits, the pros and the cons, and trust the people of Staten Island to make their decision as to what's best for them in the future. And the migrant shelter is an example. Nobody wants it. The political representatives don't want it, and that includes Democrats, not just Republicans. The community doesn't want it. The community boards and and, uh, residential associations don't want it. So here you have a situation in Staten Island where nobody wants something, and they're getting it anyway. So you, I think it just it warrants the conversation. And you're right, we have been looking at it for the last number of months, is to do it in a thoughtful, deliberate way and trust the people to, to make the best decision for themselves and their families and their future. Uh, how legally would it work? In other words, would there be a plebiscite in which the people of Staten Island vote to leave New York City? Uh, how actually can this work? So the last time was sort of a multifaceted approach. There was a referendum for the people of Staten Island to to vote. And ultimately, there was supposed to be state legislation that if the referendum went well, for the most part, nobody would stand in its way. And Albany is comprised of the state assembly and the state senate and the governor obviously is the chief executive officer. And once they realized New York and Staten Island is overwhelmingly wanted secession, they uh, the legislature basically invoked something called a home rule message and said, well, in order for this to happen, New York City has to agree to let it Staten Island go. And for a variety of reasons, including the landfill, the New York City said, we're not letting you go. And we'd have to repeat something like that this time around again. But the expectation is maybe folks in other parts of the city would say Staten Island is a little different. And if you look at the politics, and I'm not being saying we're right and they're wrong, we're just different. Uh, the, the mayor, when he won uh, two years ago, won New York City by 42 points, right? He lost Staten Island by 42 points. That's like an 84-point swing. The governor... Uh, won by about six points statewide, but she won by more than 50 points in New York City and lost Staten Island by 33. And even the president, uh, Trump, who got crushed, you know, in other parts of New York City, carried Staten Island by a significant margin. So we just sort of establish our priorities differently, and we think different politically. So maybe it comes to a point where it's just not into us anymore, and they'll let us go. So we we want to appeal to reason and and have a rational, serious discussion about this, because people in Staten Island are getting more and more fed up, and they don't deserve it. They work hard. 
they're going to work two or three jobs. They put their kids through school. They try to teach them the right thing to do. And right now they're being told, tough luck. You know, we don't hear you. You're not getting the things that you want. You're getting the things that we want. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You know, I always, because of uh, I'm a political animal, I always see things through the prism of politics. Some people have said that this effort to send migrants to Staten Island is because Staten Island is the only part of New York City uh, that votes a Republican. Do you think that, that that this is true, that Staten Island is being treated unfairly because it's the only Republican borough? I I think... I think Staten Island is being treated unfairly primarily because Staten Island didn't cause this problem and is being asked to solve the problem and is not getting things that we prefer and we want and we think are good and going to make the Staten Island quality of life better. Uh, in fairness, other parts of the city have to absorb it. and Frankly, other parts of the state uh, are absorbing it. So are we being uh, disproportionately penalized? I don't think so on that score. But the core issue is, why do we have to do this? Uh, We don't think we have to. We think you should challenge the right to shelter decree. Because, Roger, the logical extension is this. If a million people showed up in New York City tomorrow, there are people who truly believe that New York City has an obligation to put those people up in a hotel for upwards of a year uh, and feed them and give them everything else. I mean, that is insane. So is that not only be targeted unfairly? I wouldn't say that so much as we just don't want to have we don't want to have anything to do with this situation at all. Uh, As I've been following this very closely, there's been a 24 hour vigil. Uh, mm-hmm. Staten Island citizens like John Tobacco, Scott uh, yep. uh, uh Frank Morano, uh, uh, Curtis Sliwa, and others uh, have been peacefully protesting. Uh, and the turnout of citizens who've also been peaceably protesting is really impressive. People feel extremely strongly. How how important is that show uh, of community support? for a solution and opposition to what is really an invasion of the community. You're absolutely right, Roger. I think it's an important reflection of how people perceive this. You know, ironically, there was a rally a few nights ago, and we had, who knows, over a thousand Staten Island residents show up, listening, um, not going crazy at whatsoever. They were there in solidarity. And ironically, there was a group, I think it was Antifa, that came up to try to disrupt the peaceful protest. You know, unfortunately, the police were able to intervene and and to get them out. But the ones who are really the agitators are the ones who think this is a good idea. So it is important that we speak with with one sort of voice. And you mentioned John and others who come out and help to to rally the folks to say, let's keep the the focus on this to try to do it right. Uh, And... You had a situation last Friday where there were 140 police officers on site for 22 migrants. Just think of that cost alone. 
uh, of regular pay and overtime pay. And it almost became as that the citizens became, and I'm not saying the NYPD did this, but it almost became like the citizens were the enemy. They were putting video cameras to protect the migrants from the residents. <laughs> and, you know, when you start looking at all these things, and as I mentioned before, you allow non-citizens or migrant children to go to schools without vaccines, but Mrs. Smith, who's sending her kid to the third grade, if she doesn't have a vaccine for the kid, the kid's not getting into the school. How is that? How is that fair in any sense of the word? Uh, and that's what you're seeing across the board. And we're, Staten Island's not, we're not going away. We're not going away. We're going to keep banging the drum because it's the right thing to do. We feel that we have to be the voice for the people of this section of, Sta- of Staten Island. And frankly, if it could happen here, it could happen anywhere tomorrow. One of the most shocking things that I saw, I think it was two nights ago, were these these sewer trucks, essentially, coming in because there are not enough bathroom facilities uh, within the facility where the migrants are being housed uh, to essentially clean up the feces, clean up the the, the urine. I mean, this is this is this is this is dangerous. It's unhealthy. Uh, It's it's disgusting. Uh, I, I don't. I understand why people in Staten Island would be extraordinarily uh, upset. It's not just the prospect uh, of crime, uh, but also the fact that this facility is not built for this. Uh, it, it's not. It, it's not ready to receive these people. Now I understand some migrants are just voluntarily checking out, not sure where they're going. Uh, but uh, I think you've got a giant problem on your hands, and I have to admit that you have handled this uh, in an extraordinarily tactful and positive way. The idea that Staten Islanders are xenophobic doesn't make any sense, because virtually everybody I know from Staten Island is either Irish-American or Italian-American or Hispanic-American, uh, and all of our people came here as migrants. I don't think the people of Staten Island hate migrants, but I do think they oppose illegal migrants uh, not only being put in the community, but be given, being given, you know, uh, ATM cards, uh, being given free housing, ultimately free education. And I have no doubt they actually kind of blurted this out yesterday uh, at the White House. The president's spokeswoman essentially said the plan is ultimately to make these people citizens so they can vote. And how are they going to vote? Well, they're going to vote for Democrats because it is Democratic open border policies that let let, let them into this country. Uh, Vito, I, I read this morning that the city of New York is going to be using drones to monitor people's celebration of the Labor Day weekend, focusing on people in their backyards, uh, looking for, for what? I'm not sure. Looking for drug abuse, uh, looking to see how many beers you drink. I'll tell you this, it won't be Bud Light. Uh, what do you think of this? Yeah, I, I think, so going back to your question before, let me bring that up about the truck. This school, St. John Villa, was evaluated at least a few times during the last nine months, and the response was always, it's not a viable location. And we believe one of the reasons it wasn't a viable location is the sanitary system did not work, which is why you have a truck have to show up there at least once, sometimes twice a day, to clean out the concrete pits and use the right word. It's disgusting. 
you know, even if you have a septic tank, you get it cleaned out seven, maybe six months, every whatever period of here they're doing once and twice a day. A truck is pulling up, and it stinks. <laughs> Literally, not just figuratively, it stinks. And there are residents who have to deal with that. You know, and secondly, um, in terms of Staten Island, I'm a son of obviously Italian immigrants and Irish immigrants. And like you said, Roger, many folks, it's never been about that. It's we we get it. You know, we walk to the St. George and we look across and we see Ellis Island. And many of the folks from Staten Island families went through Ellis Island, sponsored by individuals here. Assume, you know, if something went wrong, you had somebody who was going to take care of you. And they never came for a handout. They came for a hand, maybe a hand up, but never a handout. And we turned that whole formula on its head. And as you mentioned, the, the Italian-American Congressional District, I was privileged to serve in the U.S. House for 12 years representing Staten Island and parts of Brooklyn. And we had hundreds of legal immigration cases. And we did everything we could to, to help people who wanted to come here legally and pursue and, and get a taste of the American dream. And they came from all over the world, and we helped everybody in the same way. Uh, and I always say to this, because those folks are waiting 5, 10, 20 years, if not more, to come here legally or to get legalized, how do you look those people in the face and say, hey, you have to wait because you just had 100,000 migrants jump in front of you, and we have to move heaven and earth to help them, but you're just going to have to wait and stay in the back of the line. So for those reasons, I think they're wrong. Well, we feel strongly about this. Is immigration a complicated matter? It certainly is. Very difficult. Uh, but I don't think illegal, uh, someone here is, is, who is here illegally should get more rights than somebody who's trying to do it in the right sort of way. And I think in terms of the drones, you know, if it's part of a normal apparatus of keeping the city safe, that's one thing. But if it starts encroaching on people's privacy and civil liberties, uh, I think that's a mistake. So now with you fighting this on every front, what would your message be to the people in the rest of the country? I think it's, um, I think number one, uh, and I've always maintained this, that a country without a border really isn't a country. We need to honor and and maintain the integrity of our nation's borders because citizenship means something. Being an American means something. And to say uh, we're going to open up the border and let people from all over the world come in and, and come here illegally and allow it to happen and then open up your purse book and say we're going to pay for you, uh, we're seeing bad policy in action every step of the way. So the message is uh, we have seen the results of ineffective federal policy that has allowed borders to remain open, and others who say taxpayer funding, uh, taxpayer dollars can be thrown out the window to accommodate anybody who comes here. We need to stand firm and stand hard and strong that we believe in an America that when you come here, you come here illegally, you do whatever you can to, to bust, your, bust your butt, go to school, work hard, and that's the America we, we really want to see. And that's the Staten Island we want to see. And I think that's what's resonating. And most people sort of understand it. It's a handful who don't get it. And unfortunately, some of them are in, in charge. All right. Now, Vito, I'm going to ask you the most difficult question of this interview. Okay. I'm coming to Staten Island. I want <laughs> the best pizza in the borough. 
<laughs> Where do I go? Great. Now, now, if you have to name more than one place, I understand you're in politics. But if I want the best pizza in Staten Island, where do I go? So there's some, that's the great question, Roger. And Staten Island has some of the best pizza in the world, not just New York. Uh, there are some great places. I'm a loyal guy. Uh, the Danino's has always been my, my favorite. There are so many others, Campania's, Lee's Tavern, uh, no, you you name it, they're they're out there. But if I had to pick, uh, I would go to Danino's, and that's in Port Richmond. All right, many many thanks to Staten Island Borough President Vito Fasella for joining us here on the Roger Stone Show. Vito, God bless you, uh, and good luck and prayers for the people of Staten Island. Thank you so much, Roger. Appreciate you having me on, and have a great day.